Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Music Business Podcast feedback. Another week, another episode. Jordan, who we got on today? We got Roy Webb, man. Uh, Roy Webb is the manager for Saba, um, close friend of mine. He actually, I used to intern under him at Audible Treats at a PR company. Um, and he introduced me to Saba right after we both transitioned from the company. And uh, he's always told me from the beginning, man, Saba's a star. So today we really get into, we really get into his career um, with Saba. Saba's pretty much the only artist he's managed up until this point. He's done a great job, 100% success rate. Um, so we get into, you know, every manager is different. So I learned just as much on this podcast as a lot of other people I'm sure did because, you know, Roy and I are different managers. So today we get into his career with Saba. We get into um, his mindset towards his management career, his mindset towards his co-manager, his mindset towards you know, what makes him and Saba's relationship different. Um, and for any aspiring manager, I know I know there's some of you I've been talking to you guys. I think you'll be really excited to hear what's in this episode. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was incredible. I think um, Saba's obviously built up a lot of momentum as an independent artist, which I think is a fantastic strategy when trying to create leverage so that when you are ready to develop a, a deeper partnership with a label, you're coming to the table with um, a little more weight, a little more leverage. So I think hearing his story, hearing the tactics, hearing what he focuses on, to me, was really valuable. So definitely excited to jump into this episode. Uh, super grateful to be back recording out of the Bands in Town studio. Great tool for being able to help promote your shows, grow your in-person touring audience. And I think that actually lends itself very well to, to Saba because I think Saba has done a fantastic job building these lo- local audiences yeah. all over the country and really starting even now to expand internationally. So, and without any further ado, let's let's jump into the show. Let's get into it. Yo, what's up, Roy? What's going on, Jordan? How you doing, man? I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Good, Good to get connected with you again and with Sam here. So, I've been listening to the podcast and keeping up with it, and it's just been great to see how you guys have been having, like, Top-notch guest after guest. So yeah, man. I'm happy to now be Now you're a part of the top-notch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo, we, we might have a yeah. part two of this. We might have to invite him back. <laughs> and talk about some other shit so yeah. we can get some yeah. more compliments. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool, man. So we're going we're gonna to jump into these questions here for people. Um, I think a lot of people, at least the question that I get, a lot as a manager is how do you find, how do you find your artists? How do you, how do you decide to work with an artist? So... For you and Saba, how did you guys connect? How did Christella come into the picture? When did that happen? Just kind of a brief background of all of that. Yeah, I mean, I think just at the top of your question, how as a person that has an interest in artist development and wants to work with artists and how you meet artists, I think it can be various ways. I think for myself, growing up in Pittsburgh, I got very involved in my local music scene. And for me, especially in a smaller city like Pittsburgh, there was a hub, a place called the Shadow Lounge, where really all the local hip-hop, jazz, soul, poet people were at. And, um, you know, I think it really stood out to me when I first got into that scene. 
I was just a college student. I didn't mm-hmm. have any real background other than just being a fan of music. And when I first started going there, I was the only person there that wasn't an artist. And it stood out to me. And, you know, as somebody who wanted to contribute in some kind of way, I started taking up journalism. You know, I think there was in Pittsburgh at the time a high demand for what was going on in the particularly hip-hop scene because Wiz Khalifa was just starting to be on the national radar. Um, It was before Mac Miller, but, um, you know, I started seeing the local news outlets writing about the hip-hop scene, but just by being out, I I never really saw any of those people there. Mm -hmm. So they were writing from the angle of, they're a journalist, they're a journalist, there's a demand to cover the scene, but they're not really in it. And um, as someone who got involved in it and wanted to contribute in some way, but didn't really have any skill set at the time, what I felt like my strength was is I knew music and I knew hip hop and I was in the scene. So while I maybe wasn't the best writer, I felt like I at least knew what I was talking about. Right. And I think that's where it really sparked for me the passion for artist development. And at the time, my way to contribute was to be able to cover and write about and put a spotlight on these artists in the local scene in Pittsburgh um, to write about them in a newspaper, to, you know, blog about them at the time. I think it was Twitter was starting to happen, but it wasn't even an Instagram or anything like that yet. And so just being able to cover them and talk to them and hear their stories from them and then be able to relay that to a wider audience, I think was something that, is really where I think is the root of where I found my love for being in the music industry. Um, but really, you know, it stems from just a passion and artist development from there, landing a job in New York at a PR company, working with a wider array of, you know, hip hop and R&B artists. Um, and, you know, coming to New York and moving here, I think, my real goal with that was to continue to develop a skill set for myself to be valuable and to build a network, to right. build relationships. And so I was going out four or five nights a week just to, whether it was concerts or events that media people were at, a fader issue release party, whatever it may be, just building those face-to-face relationships with people so that I could felt confident in myself that I actually could provide a value to an artist. Right. And with that, Christella was at the time working at a management company based in the Bay Area that the company I was working with was doing PR for. And we just, on our weekly or monthly calls, she and I, before we got everybody else on the line, would just kind of chat back and forth and talk about different music we liked or artists we were into and, and started just sharing music we liked. And I think we found that we both enjoyed Sabo's music and felt like he was a special artist. I think for me, the first time I heard him or came across his music was a song called 401k on Jeff Weiss's Passion of the Weiss blog. It was one of his top 50 songs of the year or something. And I think just the energy and passion and story that was in that song alone, just like immediately caught my attention and ear. And so from there, went and listened to his comfort zone mis- mixtape, started getting more into like his background and everything. And Christella met him. He came out to the Bay Area. I believe it was for Hyro Day that the hieroglyphics do. Mm-hmm. It's their like annual event in the Bay Area. 
I remember writing about it when I was at Audible Treats. <laughs> right. She connected <laughs> with him there. And I think there was a situation where he needed to get to LA the next day, but didn't have a ride or didn't have money to get on a train or a bus or anything. And so she kind of helped bail him out, giving him a ride to LA. Um, and I'm, I imagine that they got a chance to, you know, talk a little more in depth. She started working with him shortly after that. And, you know, outside of the management company where she was working at, I think for her as well, it was kind of the first artist she was, you know, really taking on that role as a manager for that specific right. artist. Um, and so shortly after that, he was coming out to New York for CMJ, which I don't think they have even done for the last couple of years, but it was like a music festival similar to South by Southwest that they did in New York. And Christella connected me with him and I went out to one of his shows at SOBs. Andre 3000 was in the crowd and I was like, Trying to manage you, bro. <laughs> Walk up to well, Honest 2000. The, the way Sabbath tells it, <laughs> the way Sabbath tells it is like, he really wasn't even sure who I was, but I just kind of came up to him and was like, hey, what's up? I'm Rory. I know Christella. And so, you know, he was like, okay, cool. What's up, man? And um, I had seen that Andre was there. And I think, I don't know if it's an East Coast thing or like a New York thing, but I've just have always have had like a, mentality of like regardless of how big a celebrity or how much of a fan you might be of someone like at the end of the day people are people like right they're honest you know if you approach them with respect and you know don't overstep certain kind of boundaries of in that way I think people are for the most part going to be receptive to you and so I had mentioned to Sabo I was like hey Andre 3000's here like we should go say what's up to him and Saba was kind of like, eh, I would like to, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and he he still had to get on stage and perform and everything. So it was like, all right, cool. Like after your performance, if he's still here, we'll go say what's up. And so after his performance, we walked over. I kind of like went up to Andre and said, hey, what's up, man? My name's Rory. Just want to uh, introduce you to this artist named Saba from Chicago. He just got off stage. Um Turned to Saba, said Saba, Andre, Andre, Saba. They talked for a minute or so. Again, not not kind of one overstepping those boundaries, knowing that every artist and not even artist, every person that was there was going up to Andre that day and right. asking for a photo or whatever. So like a minute into their conversation, I kind of just stepped back in and said, hey, like you, we should exchange numbers. Like, can we, can we exchange contacts? Saba got his number and they kind of kept in touch even since then, which is four years ago now and just got a quick photo. And I think in like later that night, he sent that photo to Christella and Christella messaged me like, what the hell? Like <laughs> you're meeting this guy for the first time and introducing him to Andre 3000. So it was cool. Cause I think at that time there was still a little bit of mystery of like, we're meeting for the first time. We hadn't really even Saba and I talked on the phone or anything prior to that. Like I said, even when I introduced myself to him, I'm not sure he was even entirely sure who I was. Right. But it just left a, you know, great first impression. I yeah, think. man. First time, mm -hmm. first time you meet the artist you want to manage, you introduce him to Andre 3000. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right. <laughs> but I think too, like what's important about that as well is just the follow up to it. You know? Right. It, so you, you got to introduce him to Jay-Z next. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's it. 
But I think, keep you know, soon after that, that, that was a great first introduction or first impression. But then after that, you know, us just being on a group text and getting to know each other. And then me kind of from the early point of meeting him saying, feeling like after I had worked at the PR company for a couple of years, feeling ready to like transition into my next thing and seeing management as an area that really been like, in my eyes, the highest level of artist development, mm-hmm. um, feeling like I had developed the skill set and network or relationships and confidence to be able to do that. And so I think very early on, I kind of expressed to them like, hey, happy to do the PR. I kind of think I'm potentially going to be on my way out of this job or company. Um, And just saying, I would really like to like be involved as a manager and put together like a proposal or idea of what I felt like I can contribute. And, you know, I think that as well. And that kind of follow up of like presenting something and not just being, not just saying, I want to do this and that, but presenting something and presenting like a- Showing how you'll provide value. Yeah. Um, Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your actual relationship with Crisella because I think a lot of people, when they think of managers, they don't necessarily think of co-managers. I I know Mm -hmm. I'm in a co-management situation. Um, You obviously are too. So how do you guys separate the work and how do you, was it figuring out who's good at what and kind of doing that or is it a little bit more laid out in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is there agreement? Is it, is it that rigid or like, how is it, how's it split? Sure. Um, I think what was great about Christella and I's situation in working with Saba. And I think this goes back to management for artists in general. I don't, I think all artists are in, in some way different and, you know, some are insanely different from each other. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain artists that I wouldn't be the best fit for and vice versa. Um, but I think what was great and what from early on f- gave me the feeling that this could be a really good fit was Christella came from the background of having some experience working at a management company. She worked at a music venue in Santa Cruz or the Bay Area. And so she had a little bit of an idea or maybe even a lot of bit of an idea of touring and what that was like. And so from that management experience, kind of understanding the touring world and how that works, her bringing that to the table, me bringing the PR, a little bit of marketing, but I think there's still a lot I'm trying to learn about marketing, but bringing that PR kind of background, being in New York, having those resources and relationships in New York, whereas Christella's in California mm-hmm. has those relationships, Saba being in Chicago. And I think as well with Saba, he's so hands-on and like every aspect of like the real creative music making process of what he does that, right. you know, if he was somebody that needed songwriters or producers, I don't know that I would have been the best fit because that's not what my background is. Right. Um, you know, having said that, there's still points where, you know, I might know other artists and can connect him with people. But if that's like a, a strong need for an artist from what they're looking for in a manager, I might not be the best fit there. But for him really being so hands-on and having total control and being so involved in his music making process. And then for Christelle and him being in Chicago and then Christella and I being on opposite coasts, having slightly, you know, different backgrounds. I think it just really helped shape more of a full picture and kind of for us to conquer her having her 
relationships on the West Coast, me on the East Coast, Sabah mm-hmm. being in the middle. Um, Can kind of bounce back. And it forth. just bounced back. And I think it balanced everything out really well. And I think for early on in an artist's career, touring and like marketing are, I feel like, really the two like biggest things to bring awareness to an artist. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the music is at the root of it, but to have an understanding of touring and have an understanding of like PR and marketing and building awareness around an artist, I think it just was an incredible fit, which I think we all noticed and knew early on, but I think even over time that's shown itself even more because we just all were able to kind of play our roles and not be in a situation where we really ever stepped on each other's toes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Awesome. That's fun, man. And I'm sure it's it's a fun journey. I think you guys have built up tons of traction as a team in Masaba. Um, when you look at a lot of the momentum that you guys have built together, I think he's definitely built up tons of progress, had some amazing projects and records. What do you feel like have been some of the, the biggest, I guess, inflection points or, or certain moments when something really happened that really kind of drove a ton of progress? Like looking back on kind of your guys' journey together. Sure. There's a couple of things, I guess, or ways I would look at it. You know, I think from a PR marketing standpoint, there's assets or things that we've done, whether it be like the Colors performance that's in Berlin, mm-hmm. Tiny Desk um, is obviously a huge look. Right. And I think with that stuff, we always tried to, knowing that those are really impactful pieces of content, try to partner things with them to be able to make the most of it or capitalize on it in the best way. Like, when the Tiny Desk performance dropped, we also released the vinyl for Care For Me for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so something like that is bringing so many, it's it's obviously his fans are all excited about it, but it also just brings a lot of new eyes and ears because they've established or built themselves with NPR as such like a big moment for our artists. Right. Mm-hmm. And so dropping the vinyl with that, it just was perfect, kind of a perfect storm where when people are discovering him or his fans are getting excited and going back to the album with a piece of content like that, dropping the vinyl with it where people can right away just go buy the record. It was really cool. But I also want to take a moment just to highlight that for, for people who are managers right now, that timing is very important yeah. for stuff like that. Um, in terms of releasing content, I know for, for the artists that I work for, it's like, okay, what pieces of content do we have? Now, how can we make it splash? A lot of that just goes down to timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you releasing that vinyl at the same time that he was on um, Tiny, was Desk. Tiny Desk or Colors or Tiny, Tiny Desk. Desk it was the same time he was on Tiny Desk. Like that was a that was a, a management decision, mm-hmm. you know, that this was this was going to be when we can make this vinyl splash the most. And, yeah. a, and a lot of that is just strategic planning. Totally. So. And I think. I don't know. I mean, I think there's, you know, a handful of like individual pieces like that that, you know, our big, you see a big boost with, but I think what has been really through Saba's career and us working together has been very gradual. I think, you know, him touring, he's even just the last 15, 16 months, he's been on tour mm-hmm. nonstop. He went on tour five days after Care For Me released and <laughs> has been on the road since. And so I think you're always looking for those moments or, or things that, you get those spikes, but I think if all if you're just working on finding individual moments, 
as opposed to just staying on a constant grind, it can be hard because you can put a lot into something that maybe it doesn't, it, it doesn't pop off. Right. And so I think him is like, aside from him being like, I think a great and really important artist right now, um, I think his work ethic is really unmatched or you're at that highest tier where he understands that, you know, particularly when it comes to touring, I think it's so important to give people an experience mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to remember and connect to the music in the album. And so when artists, really a lot of places we've done twice now, maybe even three times off just the Care For Me performance mm-hmm. and album. And so it's been able to give a lot of people that experience with the album that I think is just really significant. Um I don't know of other, I'm trying to think of even prior to care for me, what some moments were, or. I mean, I think something from my perspective, at least, um, that's always been really, really big for Saba. And it's not like this with every artist, but literally just the albums he was putting out were moments. So like, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, when, um, bucket list project came out, it was like, you know, from my perspective, it was people like, Oh, Oh shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 And then when Care For Me came out, it was like, oh, everybody's falling out their seats. Yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, he did it again, twice. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, Rory was putting in the work around the albums to make sure when the albums came out, you know, by the time they did, you guys were being consistent in terms mm-hmm. of your content delivery and how much he was touring. But the product that you guys were pushing was just always, yeah. it just always blew people away, you mm-hmm. know? When you dive into the, um, like... You mentioned not chasing those big moments, but instead just focusing on like the constant grind. Like, where do you feel like those areas of focus should be? Both, I mean, for artists, managers, I mean, obviously you guys are largely mm-hmm. aligned and, and working together. And But if you're just looking at like you, your co-manager, Saba, like where should early artists be focusing their time? Artists and their teams. Uh, I think, well, I'll, I'll speak to like for an artist like Saba. Because yeah. I think, it, again, it varies with different artists. But mm-hmm. um, I think where sometimes artists in, in their teams and management and everybody can get hung up is you want everything to be perfect when it comes out. <laughs> and so you can run into a problem when, you know, and I think there's been times creatively where Sab has gone through it. Writer, you know, writer's block is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I've learned from him and what he's gotten really good at is just constantly creating. Maybe you're not even putting it out, but just always writing, recording, because I think when you distance yourself from it too much or take too much time away from something, it gets harder to get back into the flow Mm -hmm. of everything. And so whether that be recording in a studio or doing shows and being on tour, it's if you take three, six months away from it, you get rusty Right. And it takes a little more time to get back into the flow of things. Mm-hmm. But um, I think for, so I think that just knack or, and, and this goes for any line of work, really. You know, I think a lot of people you might wake up someday and be like, uh, I don't really feel like doing whatever it's going to be today. But you have to push through that, mm-hmm. um, that kind of resistance to just do it. And I think as you push through time and time again, it develops a, certain kind of tissue or whatever you want to call it in you that it gets easier in a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, yeah, it's just like pushing through and, and continuing to kind of create and 
put out content and not getting so hung up on things having to be perfect. I think a lot of artists or, or people can lose traction or momentum because they feel like something's not perfect or are waiting for all the ducks to be in a row to, to put something out into the world. And obviously Sabo's released two albums in the last four years. <laughs> so it's not like he's like just dropping right. mixtapes every other week, but you have to be ready and know when to let something go. And I think something that I'm grateful for him for, you know, growing and being this way. And I think Christella and I have been good about it as well is like knowing that we're learning as we go, knowing that everything doesn't have to be perfect right away, that you can, you know, you want to kind of add structure to things. And I think that from even from Bucket List being the first project we worked on together to then Care For Me, there's areas that we improved on from one release to the next. And I think there's areas, again, we'll improve on going into the next one. You know, I think with Bucket List Project, we didn't go on tour until six months after the album released. And so with Care For Me, it was a really big thing for us to say, hey, we don't want that much time to be between the album and the tour because in doing that on Bucket List, we feel like because we didn't go on tour until six months after, we kind of missed out on the opportunity to potentially do a support tour or a second tour because it was already time to start getting into the next album cycle. Mm -hmm. Whereas, granted, with Care For Me, we maybe went a little too hard with that because we kind of had the tour booked <laughs> or like routed prior to the album being done. Mm -hmm. And so it put a lot of pressure on Saba to finish the album so it's kind of now going into the next one, finding a middle ground of mm -hmm. getting the music done. And as we're putting the packaging together, maybe getting the tour routed and having more time to still get it mapped out and scheduled right. And similarly with like music videos, I think with Bucket List again, it was like we didn't release the first music video till four or five, six months after the album released. Mm -hmm. And so with Care For Me, we released two, one video prior to the album release and one the day of the release. And... um Going into the next one, I think we'll be even more prepared to do it in a way that it's going to be more impactful and structured right. even better. But I think a lot of people can get hung up on, and it might, you know, I think it sometimes could have to do with the artist. Other times it could have to do with the label or the team. I think it's worked to our benefit in a way that being independent and being such a small team, really, it's like Christella, me and Saba outside of like, in a, or in addition to like our booking agent, our attorney, and a couple other people that really help and are super helpful in a lot of ways surrounding us, but it's a relatively small team. And so we're able to kind of move in a way that we're not waiting on people to approve things. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of people just get hung up, whether it's the artists themselves or the label on timing and perfecting the art and, I want to dive in on that, on like the perfecting the art side. Like as a manager, like your level of responsibility, I mean, how much creative freedom, I, I don't have necessarily, I guess the specific question would be like, obviously artists have the desire to express themselves creatively. Sometimes constraints can be productive. I mean, how much do you feel you're influencing the creative process? Like, are you like, bro, like you got to wrap up this song. Like maybe you should try doing this. Um, like how do you kind of walk that balance beam, if you will? I would say 
Christella and I influenced the creative process. I'm trying to think of anything other than zero. Because I feel like <laughs> we really trust and believe in Saba to do all of that. I think we... Does he ever ask you? Does he come to you and be like, what do you guys think about this? No. And we don't really like... I don't... I think it's art is so objective or subjective where it's it's not like one thing is has to be like a certain way it's it's all it can be different sort of opinions and so i think i mean we obviously are i've considered christelle and i to be saba's biggest fan so it's not like right. we're i think anything that he makes for the most part we like what if he sent you something you didn't like um honestly you know i i agree like I don't think Saba's put out like a bad song at this point. But what if he's like, right. yo, I want to go in a different direction. <laughs> and it's like some crazy shit. And you're like, oh, damn. I can say it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but if it did, I would say, I trust that you know what you're doing. And I will support it 100%. Because I think but, I'm not always right. No, but, but this is ass, bro. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many, so much popular music though that you can listen to and say that. Yeah. Like, there's so much popular music I feel like now that you can listen to and say that. And so, if somebody told Lil Nas X, "Hey, I don't think you doing this country song is the best way to introduce your music to the world, or that your artistry to the world," and he doesn't put it out, it's like, it just doesn't exist. I think it's like, at the end of the day, the artist should know their fans and audience the best. And so it's tricky, but I think, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I think there's ways that we maybe, you know, can be vocal or can inspire things just by conversations we have with Mm. Saba. You know, I know particularly with a song from Care For Me, Fighters, like a conversation he was having with Christella about how many fights he used to get into when he was a kid and her being surprised by that inspired that song. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's ways that our conversations together can inspire songs. Um, but in terms of like us being involved in the creative process, that's not something Saba really wants. And so I respect that. And we, at the end of the day, just really trust that he's a great artist and, and he kind of, and he's so, he, at the end of the day, he is really particular about the stuff that he mm-hmm. puts out. Like, I think what Jordan said, he doesn't really have any whack songs or anything. Like, all the music he puts out is of a certain quality. And so he's very particular about that. And, you know, it's part of the reason why we started working with him. And, Chris, you know, for the most part, it's he's really the only artist Christella and I work with, in addition to Pivot Gang and Joseph Chilliams, MF and Mellow, Freshwaters who are Saba's group and like crew in Chicago. But, you know, I think with him, we just really trust his vision for things and want to support that in the best way that we can. Um, You just talked about how you guys don't have to go through too much of an approval process because it's just you, Christella and Saba. What do you think the pros and cons of the situation that you're in is versus like a traditional management company with, you know, different departments and that sort of thing? I think there's, things that we don't see because Christella and I or Sabu might not have a ton of knowledge in certain areas, whether it be something from a marketing standpoint or 
other standpoint, I think there's so many, you know, when you talk about a label or a bigger management company, you have different occupations or jobs or people that are skilled at what their position is. And so I think it's been great that Christella and I have taken on so much, even beyond what coming into this we knew or have done. And I think it's been great to just develop such a wider range of skills. You know, Christella's learned about PR and and some marketing stuff through working with me. And alternatively, I've tour managed Seba's certain (laughs) tours and stuff, which Mm -hmm. I never saw myself doing. And so, you know, I think it's beneficial in that way. But I think there are blind spots that we'll have because, you know, particularly getting to where we're at now, we don't have experience at this point. You know, we haven't signed an artist to a label. We haven't broke a song on radio. We have, there's things that this, the point we're at now, we're getting to the point where like Sab is at a space where we're getting into areas that Christella and I don't have experience in. Right. And so I think that's where, and why we're, you know, really putting a focus right now and have this year on building out our team more. And that's a process. I think it's like an easy way to it'd be easy to just sign to a label or partner with a management company and have all the problems solved. But I think we've really put, while we've taken those meetings and, you know, enjoyed them and like building relationships with different people and learning things in those conversations, I think we really still prioritize our own Saba Pivot LLC business and building that out Mm -hmm. and finding people that are specialists in different areas to fill those voids or kind of cover our blind spots that see things and have experience doing things that we don't. And so I think our vision or mindset throughout uh, in all three of us is we'll take the longer route knowing that Saba is a career artist that's going to be around forever and believing that and just knowing it might take us a little longer to get to where we're getting or going, but that will be better positioned to make the most of it and, you know, for Saba to have more control and ownership of everything by doing it this way. But it's tempting to take the shortcut. I mean, it's just different, you know, like, like you said, like I was trying to, you know, illustrate there, there's pros and cons. Like you guys, you guys can be so nimble with what you do. Like Mm -hmm. there's never the issue of too many cooks in the kitchen for you guys. Like there could be at a much bigger company. But yeah, you you know, you may miss some opportunities. I think it just depends on where you where Saba is here, where Saba is in his career and where you guys are in your career. But I don't I don't think I don't I wouldn't necessarily define it as a shortcut, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I I, I get that. I, maybe it's not really a shortcut. I don't want to say that. And there's a time where it makes sense to do and I think the alter, the, the other side of it is like we do want to feel like we're making the most of what we're doing Mm -hmm. and doing it at the highest level, competing at the highest level, getting the results at the highest level or maximizing what it is that we're doing, which is where having a multi-million dollar corporation (laughs) behind you, there's no way it doesn't help in doing that. Like it does. And so, you know, in that regard, it's just a matter of us having the conversations and finding the right fit and the right people that we feel like we can trust and build a relationship in that with in that regard. So yeah, it's a lot of pros and cons. I think where we've gotten to at this point, it's been a great experience and like learning process of getting to know a lot of different areas of yeah, 
you know, because I think Christella and I too take on a lot of tasks and roles that a traditional management role wouldn't. Right. Um, and so we we have several jobs that I feel like we do under the management title. But certainly at a point, you just want to make sure that you're doing the best job to make sure you're capitalizing or making the most or competing at the highest level and knowing that you have the team in place to do that. And so, you know, I think we're at that point now where we have a good balance of having a track record to be able to go into those meetings and have a certain amount of leverage to where we can come out of it knowing that we can still retain some of the ownership and control, creative control while still giving a little bit to make sure that we're competing at the highest level and right. doing, you know, all the things that we want to knock off our bucket list or Sabbath's bucket list when it comes to the music. Nope. No business. pun intended, I guess. <laughs> you know, right. We just try to knock stuff off the bucket list while he cares yeah. for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think too, it's always, uh, it's just been a, a learning experience throughout the process. But I think for Christella and I too, figuring out even as managers and as people with some experience now in the music business too, you know, whether it's working with other artists outside of Saba, you know, I think we like being all hands on deck with him and not to say that if we were working with other people, we wouldn't be that. But I think that comes with building out the team more too is yeah, we can play more of just the manager job and aren't wearing so many hats, even though I'm sure we still would be a little bit, but, um, you know, we can kind of potentially start working with some other artists as well, which I think at the root of what we do, we're both just passionate about artist development. And so as someone that listens to music all day, every day, I of course have a desire to like also help and work with other artists. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. When you are considering the like label deal side, um, like what to you are the key points that you're trying to keep in mind? Because I know a lot of times, like, I mean, there's no doubt that infrastructure and support can be valuable, but I think if it's if you aren't like very clear around the expectations, um, then it can all be for not enough. And I mean, you'll see artists get like shelved and whatnot. So like, what um, like what is what are the important factors for you to consider in the deal? Like outside of getting a big check, I think th- <laughs> I think this will be good for our listeners too because I think um it's becoming a little bit more black and white than it should be. So I like artists, for example, they're becoming, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, they're becoming more open-minded now. But for a little bit, it was just like, yo, fuck a label. I don't need, right. a, I don't need a label, but it was before they even knew what labels did. Right. It was just literally the idea of a label. So yeah. I'm interested to hear your perspective on this, especially because Saba is still indie. He's still, mm-hmm. in, he's still in that indie role. And I think from a PR standpoint and Saba as a brand, like, I think it's very incredible what we've he's done and we've done independently, but I also, we've not built his brand around being the independent artist. Right. And I think that's very important, whether it be the independent artist thing or anything from a branding standpoint, it's so important not to like go so hard and present yourself as one thing. If you know, you might, you know, entertain <laughs> other things or, you know, be open to other things. And right. so- particularly coming in that scene of Chicago where that he's a part of, I think the outside looking in, a lot of people put that title on a lot of those artists coming out of that scene 
of being so su- like super pro indie, which isn't really the case. I think it, you know, it varies. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But in terms of what we're looking for, the conversations, I think because it's our first time going into this situation, and I think just with our experience knowing and seeing, you know, from the outside looking in how some labels work, I think we want to do a shorter deal. I think that's really important because there's turnover at labels. We don't want to be stuck in a situation for a longer period of time. It's our first time going into it to where, you know, we want to have some flexibility. I think we'll be successful in that space, but I think we want to build a relationship over time and not, I think people can flip it in the way, well, it's, oh, if if you want us to build the relationship or be invested, you have to sign for four or five albums, but, it, but it's like, if if we sign for two albums and you guys do a great job, yeah, they just kill it. Yeah, we'll keep working with mm-hmm. you. So um, it's it's you know I get it from their side to an extent, but it's also kind of confusing to me why they wouldn't be down to do that more often. <laughs> um, because it's just at the end of the day, if you do a good job, artists are going to stay with you. And so I'm trying to get that that right now though, <laughs> yeah, not, not that two albums down the road once you're popping right, right, right. I mean, it's it's interesting because I mean, it's your both sides are largely optimizing for what's in their best interests. Totally. I mean, it's always it's always a negotiation. Yeah. 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 And I think I think we've in our conversations been able to to get offers for shorter album deals because of what he's done already. I think the other, you know, trying to keep touring relatively separate and out of the deal, merchandise relatively separate and out of the deal. You know, focusing on still him having ownership of the music, keeping it to a licensing deal. I think as much as you want, from our standpoint, it can, you know, some artists do just want that big check. I think from our standpoint, it's not so much about getting a big check as much as it's about getting a check that you feel like reflects what your value is. Mm -hmm. And more so getting the, prioritizing the terms to be what you want them to be. Yeah. Um, Getting a check from people you trust. Yeah. And right. I mean, the Better thing is, Saba's uh-huh. been successful so far. So it's not, it's, it's not a point where I think us talking to, and him talking to several of his friends and myself talking to other artists that I know or their teams, a lot of artists sign deals because they're broke or early in their career because they don't have the money yet. They haven't, you know, they're not signing at the point where Saba is where we've had success and, it's not an issue where he needs, you know, more money is always great and helpful for, <laughs> for everything. But he's like, no, it's no, not a situation where all the like, labels listening. He needs talk. money. He, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> we like money. I just, right. just saying, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we want to find a check wise, just something that reflects the value and the work that we've put in and that we know what we're capable of delivering on. But I think the terms more so keeping it a shorter deal where, you know, you're going into business with someone for the first time from both ends, wanting to make sure it works, um, make sure the relationship is a good fit, make sure that the label and, and on their side, they're held accountable for, for what our expectations are and what their job is. So keeping it to a shorter term deal. Um, and I think, you know, what we really see as maybe some of our blind spots and where we want to improve and wanting to be able to compete at that highest level is for sure just having a beast on the marketing side. I think my background is in PR and, you know, some of the streaming playlisting stuff, but 
we've barely spent any money on marketing, which I think is really impressive, but also <laughs> really stupid yeah. in a way. Um, and so it's just a matter of it not being something that it's something that from my end and I guess our end, I'll just speak for myself though. It's hard for me to kind of quantify it sometimes putting money toward it and the results can vary or it's, it's just a little harder for me to quantify how much money equals what results. Right. What's your return on investment is. Right. And so I think that's why we've just been a little more hesitant to, to push it. And also just finding the right team or people, you know, we've worked with somebody that I think did a good job, but I think, you know, we didn't put, we weren't all in on that and didn't probably put the right money or assets toward it. But I think it just comes from a, yeah, lack of understanding or knowing what our ROI would be or being able to kind of quantify putting a thousand dollars and then looking at the results and feeling like maybe it's not adding up. But I think it's also one of those things that it happens over time and you just have to, we just haven't invested the right amount of time and energy. And so I think whether it's a label or any kind of partnership with marketing, I think for sure that's a big priority to us. And just, I think from a global aspect as well on marketing, I think in distribution, I guess, would be a better way of talking about it. I think global distribution of uh, Sabah's toured Europe several times now, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, you know, we want to go to South Africa, we want to go South America, all these places. And I think with some of the streaming partner distribution partners we've worked with so far, they're kind of limited and it seems like what they're doing distribution wise. And so I think where the majors come in is they just are able to distribute things to right. a much wider yeah. range of people. And in, in us touring these places, we've learned so much of just about the different social media platforms, streaming platforms, like Asia's streaming platforms and social media platforms differ. You know, they have some, some of the places there have Spotify or Instagram, but you know, they have different ways of consuming music and mm-hmm. consuming social media. And so right. making sure we have people on the ground there, which again, it's not a shortcut per se. You could always hire individual marketing teams in all these places, but I mean, it's, it's, it's just um, what I meant is more like it's, it'll be, it'll be a compromise. Right. Um, and in some situations it will be a shortcut, yeah. but then in others it won't be. Things will take longer to be yeah. improved and be pushed through. So it's yeah. just, And I think it's, yeah, it's just, but it's getting those kind of resources with a label that I think are valuable and blind spots or holes for us right now because we don't have feet on the ground in those places. And while we've already got touring history in a lot of those places, it just always feels like more can be done. And so I think we've done a great job though of like just building relationships. And I think that's something too where, you know, early on we maybe weren't sure, you know, how do you get in the studio with, so-and-so, this big artist, or how do you get a feature from this big name artist? And while I'm sure a label can push to get some of that stuff done in their way, I think it's been great or helpful for us where we've really just continued to build relationships as Saba's grown and continued to put himself out there. Me being in New York, Cristela being in LA again, it's like over time, you know, you end up running into or seeing these people and connecting with them and building a more organic relationship, which I think over time too makes for better music than just a label getting a 
half done Travis Scott song and then put right. a verse on it. <laughs> right, right. Um, so um, yeah. Yo, so we got this part of the podcast called Hot Takes. Pretty much, we try to say stuff that will get an opinion out of you. So mm-hmm. we got a hot take for you today. It's low-key kind of a hot take for me, too, because I'm also in management. <laughs> so, um, But the hot take is inexperienced managers can't compete with tried and true managers. False. Why? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. It's false. <laughs> Do I need to talk no, I about it? I can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't, I, I'm just taking it on the surface level of those words and yeah. statement. Inexperienced manager, you know, I think maybe seven times out of 10, it's probably true. But I think that you don't necessarily need to have a experience as a manager. I think you have to have experience in, in music and in working right. with artists. So that's kind of where I'm pulling from and, and disagreeing with the statement. Um, because I think it comes down to so many aspects. I think you can have a really experienced manager. Maybe they're managing 10 other artists and start working with a new artist. They have so much more on their plate. They might not be able to do certain day-to-day things as a, an as a less experienced manager where I'm sure they can pull certain strings that will be beneficial. But um, yeah, I think it just comes down to invest in time and being all in on the the best interests of the artists. I think sometimes things can get tricky when managers or people in the industry working with an artist lose track of, to me, at the end of the day, the artists, what's best for the artist should always be the priority. And, you know, that's where it gets tricky, whether it's labels or it could be a booking agent, it could be a manager, it could be various things. But I think at the end of the day, it has to come down to what's best for the artist and keeping the artist's best interests in mind. And, and also putting yourself out there and getting to know the artists on a personal level, getting to know the person. Um, you might have a ton of experience as a manager and be able to get that artist in certain places and do things for them. But if you don't know the artist well enough and haven't put the time into getting to know them, you know, you might be able to get an artist on some TV show or some brand campaign. But if you don't know that the artist isn't into that stuff or the, you know, there's ways that I think it just comes down to at the end of the day, having a real relationship with the artist as the artist and understanding how they work, but also as a person. Right. And knowing them and really putting in, and that takes probably even more time and effort into, into doing is, you know, going to, Chicago, Christella lived in Chicago for a year shortly after starting to work with Saba and I was going back and forth for, I mean, I still do, but for the first year or two, I was going back and forth probably every month and just staying at Saba's crib and in his neighborhood and at his home studio and getting to know him. And I think that's really where you find and get to know the real person versus getting on a conference call with them or something every other week. (laughs) <laughs> so it depends. I think seven out of time, 10 times that's true, but I think there's outliers to where I can say it's false. Right. I think <laughs> um, also younger, less experienced managers, maybe not younger, but just less experienced managers, um, they also embrace innovation a little bit more. Yeah, They're totally. just like, yo, why can't we do it like this? 
Like, cause we don't do it. Like, and they're like, yo, but let's just do it. Let's just try, you know? So I, that goes for all lines of work, really. Yeah. That's yeah. where young people are always so valuable to any business or corporation or meeting or artist or anything. They're really good at asking why not. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Amazing, man. Well, Roy, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciated the insight. Super excited for uh, your continued success and momentum, man. So thank you very much, bro. Thank you, guys. I feel like I talked significantly more than both of you. (laughs) Yes. Well, we're interviewing you. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks. Well, damn. It was a good episode, right? I think so. Episode. Yeah, I think uh, Roy's a smart guy. I think he has done a great job building a lot of momentum around this artist, um, around Saba. I think the partnership, both with Saba, with his co-manager, um, learning a little more about those dynamics, and really just can only commend the approach enough of really trying to stay independent, focus on building an audience yourself so that you create leverage. So that way, when you actually are starting to have conversations with the label, um, the terms that you can actually kind of demand and actually get are just going to be that much more in your favor in the long term. Yeah. I think one thing also that I realized, you know, I obviously have known Roy for a while, but especially during this episode is his his uh, self-awareness as an artist manager. I think artist managers, a lot of the times, especially earlier ones, you know, I did this as well. We all think we can do everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he clearly knows where his pitfalls are and where his co-manager can supplement those pitfalls and where he needs to go next and who he needs to bring on next to his team. So um, it was refreshing hearing that. It was refreshing hearing that awareness. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from it, just like I have since the four years since I interned under him. Um, And yeah, I thought it was good. Awesome. Well, Rory, thank you so much for coming on the show. Definitely be sure to check out Rory online. Linked up in the show notes. Saba, too. Incredible artist. uh, True musician. Really has a lot of... One of my favorites, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorites. And then, as always, I think uh, if you could share this with one friend that you think would find value in this, whether it's an artist, a colleague, whatever it may be, I think um, sharing definitely is caring. Super grateful for your support and uh, excited to keep these coming. Yeah, man. Super excited. We out. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs>